Hello and welcome to what will be the last episode of this first season of the Learning Experience Lab. I'm your host, Dan Hassan, and after today, we're going to take a short break and be back up and running around the start of September. But for this episode, I'm looking forward to sharing with you our first interview with a colleague at Feedback Fruits, R&D lead Joost Verdorn, about the power of automated feedback. To start though, I just want to reflect briefly on the journey so far since we've begun back in January. And if you're only eager to hear about how AI technology is going to shape the future of education, feel free to skip to 4 minutes 45 where the interview starts. Throughout this podcast, we've tried to cover some of the fundaments of feedback and online course design, seeing to what extent we can universalize principles and practices in higher education. Of course, this exploration and discovery was only possible through the sharing of each of our guest speakers. It's been a great experience to learn so much purely from conversations, especially for someone who's more of a book learner. I suppose that speaks to the power of multimodal learning. So as a newcomer to the world of instructional design and educational technology, I was lucky to have a chance early on to speak to John McCormick of Brandeis University, who helped me put parameters and perspective to these domains. And just as important was my following conversation with Lillian Nave of Appalachian State University, who introduced me to the Universal Design for Learning framework, which have since come across everywhere I look. Lillian's Think UDL podcast remains one of my favorite listens, so do make sure to check it out if you can. More food for thought came from Buteri Sofia of Taylor's University, the only person I've ever heard of using augmented reality in law education, and with highly acclaimed success at that. As my own master's thesis was on AR in education, I'm still curious to follow the journey that this and other novel technologies will take towards becoming the mainstream rather than the outliers. And as for more mainstream technologies, iCoach Jeroen Mulder was a much-needed voice encouraging the integration and training of teaching technologies. For our Dutch audiences interested in online course design, Jeroen's Modern Onderwijs YouTube channel has tons of advice, tips, and tutorials which are highly recommended. The next guest who opened my eyes to a whole new way of looking at the world was UX veteran Darren Hood, and it's really been the case that since our conversation, I can't help but see every user and learning experience through a design lens. Have a listen to Darren's World of UX podcast for a seasoned perspective on the urgency of professional design thinking. More open discussions followed in the next two episodes. We had business school professors and instructional technologists Jeff Webb and Mustafa El Sawi in a roundtable discussion talking about group work, the challenges and solutions to its facilitation. What I took away there is that even these heroes of hybrid education had encountered the same old problems of free riding and group grade assignment which is so common in the field. Then we came back to the Netherlands with Wageningen University's researchers and professors Kazem Banihashem and Omid Noruzi to discuss their research into peer review, which I believe is entering its final stage now. We'll definitely be following up on their results. After that last one, Feedback Fruits hosted our annual Inspiration Days event, InspireEd 2021, which attracted almost a thousand professors, instructional designers, and educational innovators from around the world. Of the 15-odd sessions we hosted, most of them were only 20 minutes or under, so I was grateful to one of the speakers, University of Adelaide's Glenn Wheatley, for coming back to talk to us in long form about feedback for episode 11. And with one more look at the history and future of learning design, 
Computer science veteran Maria Zayons was next to share her experiences and perspectives on the field, giving a critical look at the use of IT in education. And lastly, a second inspired speaker, Professor Richard Powers, came back for a discussion about inclusivity in teaching and learning, as well as sharing his 10 steps for online course design, which was a great way to round off the topics we touched on previously. So now it's time to dive into the interview with Yoast about automated feedback, which I won't say anything more about right now, so you can hear from the expert himself. I'm Joost, uh, Joost Verdorn, and uh, yeah, I've been at Feedback Fruits already for eight years and I've been doing quite a number of things actually. I uh, started as a student programmer as most of the developers started back in the day. Yeah, after my graduation uh, from uh, Delft, Delft University of Technology, I, uh, I joined the company full-time as the research and development lead, really trying to gauge which new technologies can help us um, help students, essentially, and help facilitate the learning process. Okay. And so why did you start researching and developing automated feedback? Yeah, that's a good question. We we had been trying a number of different projects where we were working on AI technologies to, um, yeah, to facilitate the learning process. Uh, but we noticed that one of the, the main time sinks, so to say, for teachers was uh, giving students a lot of in-depth feedback. And of course, this is a very important aspect, but not every feedback is as valuable for the teacher to give. And that's where we noticed together, actually, with Wilco Twinkle from the Erasmus University. We started talking and we noticed that there might be some area there which we could focus on and where AI can really help the learning process. Okay. And can you summarize in a sentence or two what automated feedback is, what it's about? Right. It's about giving lower order feedback on uh, the writing of students to facilitate the teachers being able to give the higher order feedback on that writing. So in essence, it just uh, unburdens a part of the teacher's responsibility so that they can focus on the, the aspects in which they're an expert. Okay. And I want to ask you briefly how it works, both from a teacher and a student's perspective. Right. Uh, so from a teacher's point of view, uh, in essence, it's not that different from how you usually design your writing assignment. Uh, so when you recreate a writing assignment, you have to summarize for, you, for your students what is expected of them, how many, uh, what's the word count, right? What type of work, what kind of section should be in there? Is there any specific referencing style, all those kinds of things? And now, uh, instead of just writing it down, teacher configures it in the automated feedback system. They can select from a number of options you know, to design their writing assignment, essentially. And then they hand it over to the students, and the students will indeed then uh, be able to read these criteria, these the way the teacher designed it. And uh, when they hand in their work, a couple minutes after, just enough to get a cup of coffee, uh, they will be able to get the feedback. So it's uh, relatively instantly. And yeah, we really try to help students work iteratively there so they uh, they're also so they get their feedback really quickly but they're also stimulated to resubmit their work to ensure this iterative process and uh, continuous improvement and this uh, if, if i may here uh, i think this is also the one of the key things that we do here is, is this really quick feedback process usually when you hand in something as a student it might take a couple of weeks before you get your feedback back at least that wasn't the case in my university uh, and by the time you get your feedback you've definitely forgot 
what the writing assignment was about, and you don't really care anymore. Whereas if you get your feedback within a couple of minutes, it's still fresh in memory, and you and you can really improve still, and you yeah, you also have more of a drive to improve. Could we go into development a little bit? Like, how has the development taken place, and what kind of ways have you developed it with external or internal forces? Yeah, so from the get-go, it was I mean, it was really clear for us that we couldn't develop this in a vacuum. Uh, as in, this couldn't just be an internal process. It really had to involve uh, as many um, teachers from different domains as possible. So that's how we started. We uh, found some literature online which um, proposed a rubric, a set of criteria uh, on which the author thought that that was a comprehensive list of things to, to look for in a, in a writing assignment. And then we took that list, we uh, mailed it around to a couple dozen teachers and, and got, tried to get feedback. So which of these criteria do you think are uh, more or less valuable for you? Where do you spend your time mostly on? Make sure that we spend our efforts in the right place to really focus on those criteria that can benefit the teachers most. By using this tool, how, how is it making life for teachers easier? The main point here, and, and it is really about making the life of teachers easier, right? It is really about uh, unburdening them. So what we're trying to do here is develop a tool that in the hands of the right teacher can save them a lot of time with, the, as, as we already mentioned, the, the lower order skills. Uh, so uh, these are things from spelling and grammar and do you actually, did you actually include your the page numbers and the references, are you actually using them correctly in your text? Um, things that the teacher usually is not necessarily an expert on, but also not necessarily interested in giving feedback on. And by taking that away uh, and, and trying to, to solve that for the teacher, be giving feedback on that aspect, uh, Yeah, we, we essentially unburden them to focus on things that do matter for them. It, we hope that it is giving more in-depth feedback on the work, but it might be uh, might be something else. But that that's definitely the goal that they that they are able to uh, focus on the, the content, right? Not mm -hmm. not just a form of the work. And we often do hear that actually from teachers we've we've talked to that they get distracted by uh, if there's like minor mistakes in there, it becomes harder to focus on the actual content. And by taking it away, we feel like we can really help that process. Absolutely. And that's very recognizable for myself when I'm yeah, marking my peers' work and reports as well. Right. It's a distraction. And if you can get rid of it, all the better. Huh? Yeah, it's almost a very annoying fact of life, right? That uh, when there's mm -hmm. something, it's just like someone's accent. At some point when someone accent, someone's accent is it's like off, you, you can't help but notice it more and more and, and comes harder to focus on, on the actual conversation. And I think the same might be going on with, with writing. You need that when, you, when there's enough oddities, you aren't, you aren't able to see the bigger picture. Now with accents, you can't really say there's a right or wrong way. But yeah, with writing, we can at least. I wanted to ask you something else about the technological value. Is there anything you can say about the integration of automated feedback into the either the LMS or existing activities? Yeah, so we try to make this experience as seamless as possible. So automated feedback is integrated within um, most of the most of the tools in which students can uh, upload some work. So we have tools around peer review, where peers review one another's work, or 
uh, where teachers review the work of students and give feedback on that. And essentially, automated feedback can be added as a step just before that. So before your work is sent out to your peers or to your teachers, the students already get a first load of feedback, so to say. Yeah, we, we try to make sure that it integrates really well. And that is actually part of the of the, the vision that Feedback Fruits has with its entire tool suite, that it, it should just work in existing workflows. So be that an LMS, we integrate with the LMS. Uh, we're now working really close together with Microsoft for their Microsoft Teams product to make sure we integrate well there. Because we see all these types of workflows and we want to be as unintrusive as possible, really fitting into what already exists. And um, that, that the same is going on for automated feedback within the rest of the, the feedback tool. So it's almost like a, a Russian nesting doll in that sense. Mm -hmm. Now, moving on to the competition. <laughs> Word processors can also check spelling and grammar. So what added value or features does automated feedback have? Right. Yeah, of course, uh, every every text processing uh, program these days, uh, and rightfully so, has features for checking your grammar and your spelling. And then, of course, there's Grammarly, who's going more in-depth also on your uh, writing style. And all those things, I think, are, are, are really useful if you, if you want your end product to be as good as possible. But they are not necessarily conducive to a learning experience. Uh, maybe even the contrary, if you can always accept the suggestion that is offered you with one click of a button, uh, you will not actually learn to do it right yourself. We're trying to flip that around and also focus on some of the uh, formal aspects. So essentially, the, the teacher has a picture in their mind what they want what they want the students to learn, right? And, and there's all these aspects of writing that go into that. And yeah, we really give feedback. So we try to say to the students, well, in this particular situation, you should not use uh, first-person pronouns or something like that, because that is not considered formal or that's not uh, generally not used in the academic writing style. And they can't really just then click a button and rewrite their sentence to a, uh, to a different form. And they really have to do the work and do it themselves. But we do give them all the all the handles that they need to be able to learn that. So we have quite in-depth articles on all these processes and these writing processes to really help them with this process. Maybe you could go a bit more in-depth about those suggestions. How does it look for a student when they're being corrected on their work and what resources are they presented with? And this is actually a continuous process for us. So we... When we just got started, we didn't know a whole lot on how to give good feedback, even though we're called feedback fruits. Once you have to start doing it yourself, it's it's different, turns out. But yeah, we have learned over time that there are certain feedback models. One we're trying to adhere to right now is feedback, feed forward, feed up, uh, which in essence says in this particular situation, you would usually apply passive voice, for example, uh, and your your situation looks like that. And that's why we suggest you use so you try to give more context and even though a student may not in this particular case may not get all the benefit from it by also sketching the context in which this is usually the case or in which this should apply they, they are able to apply it to the broader picture and then of course that is already in the application so we annotate the work of the student by just providing feedback in the document just in the place that it is happening just like a teacher would mark their student work but then we indeed when we give Feedback on, for example, passive voice to continue that example. 
we, we do provide a link to one of our articles indeed, uh, providing more explanation on what is passive voice, what are the, the cases in which you should use it and in which cases is it not recommended. Uh, and also yeah, show them that uh, they're not alone in maybe abusing the passive voice uh, because it is a, a common mistake for beginning academic writers to, to really overuse that kind of form. Uh, and we yeah, we try to do that for every kind of criterion that we that we have. Really try to sketch the context uh, so that you know, students are able to to build up this framework for writing. Because it's it's in Dutch we call it ambacht. I'm not sure what the uh, what the English word is. It's art, art, artisanry or something like that. No, it's a thing that you learn learn by doing it a lot and uh, making mistakes part of the process. But then giving feedback on that that is. That's the thing that helps you. I think I'm starting to really get a very clear picture to that first thematic question of how is it different to tools like Grammarly? They are, and you know, Microsoft Word, Google Docs, providing corrections on your work. We're providing feedback, actionable things which you can move forward on. And it's not just this is wrong, this is wrong, this is how it should be, but why it should be like that. I also have a question. How would you motivate the students, especially the students and the teachers, to use automated feedback? If they use Grammarly, it's faster and yeah, they can just fix their sentence right away. Right. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that students already know, of course, that they have a spell check in their word and also that there, there is Grammarly that can help them. Yet we still see that teachers are, are still giving a lot of feedback on these you know, on these these formal uh, formatting kind of things, right? In essence, th that just means that they are not doing their job as a learning tool. Uh, so that's where we have to pick up the slack. And how do we motivate them? Well, yeah, for for, for teachers, the, the, the case is really simple. In essence, they get higher quality work uh, and um, yeah, they can focus more on other things, hopefully going more in depth on the feedback that they give. Yeah, for students, uh, it should result in a more holistic writing experience because it is just an annoying process if you pour your heart and soul into this piece of paper that you write and then you, you hand it in three weeks later you get something back and yeah, you're so disconnected from that thing that's that's just not a nice learning experience i feel so i think the instant feedback and the way it's almost gamified right you you get this we are not there yet but what we really want to get into is that we, when we see, when you upload an improvement and we see that you, you indeed was, were able to correct some of these issues and learn from the mistakes that you make, we really, really also want to tell them that oh, this is nice, it's, you, you picked this up well and uh, yeah, let's get on to the next stuff. So this, uh, this is uh, an ongoing process for us, how, how to motivate the students to really work with the feedback that we give them. Uh, but I think, I think we're getting better at that. Yeah, good question, Nee. And it's a nice segue to, I think this will be my last question, but when I'm thinking about the future of automated feedback development, I, I was a bit of the mindset that more criteria equals more better, but obviously there's an upper limit to how many checks and how many uh, different things that it can look for. Now, you can talk about the criteria, but are there other things in the future roadmap or pipeline for development that you'd like to share? Yeah, so... Automated feedback doesn't have to stop at giving feedback on academic writing, of course. So that is a, that is an obvious route that this uh, kind of development could take. We see students use uh, language in, in many more facets of their learning process than just academic writing. And so some things we're, we're really looking into is how to make the, the, the peer review 
process a more holistic experience for, for students where we really try to guide them on how to give good feedback so that their, their peers learn as much as possible. Um, so that is one, one route we, we want to go into at some point. And another one is, is really, and that's actually uh, just reiterating the thing I just told me, um, really trying to, to also almost make this a gamified experience where it becomes fun to produce higher and higher quality work. I think that would be really nice. And for that, automated feedback is definitely not the only thing. It should be integrated into the entire feedback process, right? So you, you get a round of a couple of rounds of automated feedback, then you get feedback from your peers, you may do some corrections, and then in the end it may even go to the teacher's desk. So that holistic feedback process from beginning to end, I, th I think you know, we're feedback fruits after all. So I think that's, uh, that is the direction we should take. But always, all of this is subject to change. We're, uh, we're always thinking about where to apply the the lessons and the technology that we've learned. There may be some surprising other things coming up in the near future. Just uh, keep checking the, the regular channels and you'll, you'll find out. Thanks once again to Yoast and all of our guest speakers in the previous episodes. Again, we'll be taking a short break after this one and be coming back around the start of September with new guests, topics, tips, and insights into optimizing your teaching and learning experience in the academic year to come. Thank you so much for joining me in the Learning Experience Lab so far. And remember that we're always available for questions, queries, and feedback. You probably know it by now, but you can follow Feedback Fruits on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to stay up to date with the exciting things we've got in the works. I hope you'll join us next season for more. Till then.